Hey folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Sunday, June 9th. We are eight days removed from the Clemson Tiger baseball team ending a disappointing season in disappointing fashion in the Oxford Regional. But look on the bright side, that means it's football season. Ben and Sam here with you, Dave, to recap this baseball season, one that we had high hopes for, if not had a few question marks at the beginning of the year with uh, a lot of the young guys. Got off to a good start. Did not end so well, but uh, Sam, first, speaking of balls, that's about how hot it is out here in San Francisco. We registered 90 degrees a day. You staying cool? Uh, no, not staying cool. Went to the park uh, and sweated like crazy, uh, but it's one of like three days a year that we get that's like this. So you have to take advantage and go outside. Um, it was probably a mistake to do so, though. It was way too hot out. Well, and the problem is here is that we don't have air conditioning because it's not generally this hot here. So we're all sitting in our apartments in the stagnated air. My dog has no idea what to do. He can't stop panting. I don't know if I should open my windows, close my windows. I'm about to just open the damn freezer. Yeah, that's probably the most uh, cost-effective way to cool your apartment at this point. Let's put it this way. I saw a hummingbird taking a break outside earlier. Sitting on a branch. You don't see that too often. That's <laughs> no, how, that's, that's, that's how you know it. Yeah, that's how you know it's hot. Um, so let's jump right in here, Sam. Um, Clemson Tigers on the season, 35 and 26. That's how they finish up. 15 and 15 in the ACC. Two and three in the postseason. That include finishing third in the Ole Miss Regional. Um, the Tigers ended the regular season uh, six and five in their last 11 games after breaking their nine-game ACC losing streak. Um, that was against Wake Forest. Coming out of that series, the, the Tigers really thought they needed to win their next four games, which was a home-and-home home against Gardner-Webb and a home uh, game against PC and the Citadel. They won two out of four of those games, digging themselves a deeper hole leading into the last two series of the regular season. I think at that point, we were not very optimistic about the Tigers' chances. They did go on to beat – or they – sorry, they followed up with NC State after that, losing that series 2-1. to one ending the regular season then with a two to one series win against wake at home. Uh, just kind of finishing out the regular season, Sam, the pitching continued to struggle over that stretch, giving up over five and a half runs a game, but the hitting did improve averaging almost seven runs a game in that time span, which provided some optimism heading into the postseason. Yeah, we, uh, we were, like you said, it, after the series of losses in the ACC, uh, we knew it wasn't going to be a cha- championship season this year, but 
the way that they finished the regular season gave you a little hope that they might be able to bat themselves through some playoff games and, and make a run at something, uh, at least making a super regional or, or doing something interesting in the postseason. Uh, as we saw, that wasn't how it turned out. But this this season was kind of, um, as you mentioned in the opener, it's, it's a bit of a disappointment. It's the worst season in, in Monty Lee's tenure in, in his fourth year. It's the first time they haven't won 40 games. It's the first time they haven't hosted a regional. Um, uh, not the first time they didn't make it out of a regional, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, it's it was just there were a couple key injuries early in the year that kind of derailed the season from the start. A lot of players recovered well with that to get off to a good beginning to the season. And then, uh, you know, the really young team that they had just couldn't finish strong. Yeah, so heading into the ACC tournament, the, the Tigers weren't a lock to make the NCAA tournament, so a couple wins would have provided some confidence there. The Tigers ended as an eighth seed, which placed them in the bracket with uh, number one Louisville and 12th-seeded uh, Boston College. Now, the ACC tournament format makes less sense than Alabama's fake field goal in the national championship game. Uh, we've uh, kind of moaned and complained about that enough, but listen, with lower seeds playing each other, the first the first team that loses has no path towards advancing in, in these in these pools, um, even though they still have to play another game. So the way it works, you've got these three teams; they all play each other. If everybody ends at one and one, the higher seed, which would be Louisville, advances. So Clemson goes into the Boston College game. That's a must-win game. Like you have to win that game. If you don't win that game, you do not advance. Um, they lose that game seven to five and in 11 innings. And the biggest question mark here is why the hell did Monty start Travis Marr? Yeah, that was, it was a questionable decision. Um, and you know, Marr had not a horrible outing, but he, he got pulled pretty early, went three and a third and gave up three earned. Um, so not horrendous, but certainly not what you'd hope from your starter in your first postseason game. Uh, Sam Weatherly came in and, went another two and two thirds and, and gave up only one in that time. It just, that's not enough from your starting pitcher. Uh, whereas Boston college got six innings uh, of two runs, one earned from their starter. And that really set them up to be fine to play a longer game, that 11 inning game. Um, it was, it was a weird way to start for Monty Lee, but you know, we had our chance, you know, any game that goes to extras, you've got a chance to win it, especially as the home team, we were batting second. So there was, there was every opportunity to win this game and the bats just couldn't quite do it down the the final stretch of the game. Yeah. I mean, kudos to the guys for coming back. They, uh, they put up a three spot in the eighth to tie it up, but I still go back to starting Travis Moore, his first start all season. He had a 6.48 ERA heading into the game, had over a 6 ERA last year. This guy is a 6-plus ERA pitcher right now. So I, I just really don't get it, especially in a must-win situation. Matt Clark had four days rest, which is what you know major league pitchers pitch on. I know this is college, but still a must-win game. And if not Clark, Askew or Lindley would have better options, in my opinion. Yep, definitely agree. Um, it seems like Monty Lee was saving Matt Clark for – um, for Louisville, which did actually work out really well. But like you said, if we lose this Boston College game, we have no chance of advancing. So you've kind of got to put all your chips on the table for that first game and hope that you can pull out the second one with a secondary pitcher. Um, and Clark pitched a gem against Louisville. We'll talk about that game in a second. But, uh, you know, the Boston College one, we just we couldn't get over the hump after the bad start from 
or the mediocre start from Sam Marr. Um, Travis Marr, you're Travis calling Marr. him. A, yeah. Sam Weatherly came in for him. I'm pushing them together. You're also Sam, by the way. Yeah, that's true. Okay. I am. So, you know, it... <laughs> sometimes I like to give my name to others. <laughs> Just make it you're aware of that. I guess your firstborn is going to be Sam Jr. Um, so moving into that Louisville game, Clemson wins this one 7-1. to And you mentioned it, man. What a masterful uh, body of work by Matt Clark in this game. He took a no-hitter into the ninth. Uh, the ninth inning solo home run was the Cardinals' only hit in the game, and it was their only one. Um the win was huge for the Tigers getting the tournament, so it wasn't all for naught. I think it had Clemson lost this game, we might have gotten left out. Yeah, it was um, that game specifically gave me a ton of hope for the postseason, hoping we'd have at least one ace in the hole in Clark uh, to come in in the regional. But his his pitching performance was incredible. Like you said, eight innings pitched, uh, very few strikeouts, but his first like seven innings. Uh, he didn't go over 12 pitches in any inning. It was just super efficient. Ground ball outs every time, two pitches, three pitch at bats. Uh, he looked amazing. And there were some really great plays in the field behind him. Uh, Jordan Green had one specifically that I really that really stood out as a great save to, to keep the no-hitter going, the perfect game going. Um, it, was, it was a masterful performance from him. Uh, and it was really unfortunate that he couldn't finish it out. He walked somebody in the ninth, and then uh, they got another out, or he, he walked somebody in the eighth, and then they got somebody out and finished the inning, came back out in the ninth, gave up that solo homer, um, and kind of lost all the whole the whole shebang. He went from, from a perfect game to not even a shutout or a no-hitter. Um, it was so close. Well, regardless of the outcome of that, the fact of the matter is he still got the win. And looking forward to the future, I mean, very bright, you got to think, coming. Um, looking forward to going into next year with Matt Clark, him being mm -hmm. a sophomore this year. Um, so that win does help Clemson get into the NCAA tournament. They land in the Oxford Regional uh, as the three seed, along with the one seed Ole Miss, the two seed Illinois, and the four seed Jacksonville State, um, who I'm just learning is actually in Alabama. I kept thinking they were Florida for some reason. Um, you know, Jacksonville, Florida, major city. I'm, Makes I'm, sense. Not, I'm not going to look much further into where Jacksonville state is. Uh, not worth and, it. Yeah. Not worth it. Um, Clemson goes into the first game against Al Illinois and actually pulls out a, a huge win, winning that one eight to four. The bats came to life. Um, as the Tigers put up eight runs on 12 hits, Hennessy got the start in this one, even though Clark was on full rest, I do get the strategy here. Um, because this is not a must win game like the ACC tournament. And so you're setting up Matt Clark, who just had that phenomenal outing against um, uh, Louisville, Louisville uh, to a possible matchup against Ole Miss in game two. So I yep. get the strategy here. Hennessy had pitched well in his last several outings and included a seven and third two-run performance in a start against Wake Forest. Louisville also had three lefties um, out of the first six batters in their lineup. So I get starting Hennessy. Um and also, David, uh, David Sharp had struggled a bit since mid-April and gave up seven runs in five innings against Wake in his last start. So I, I get the logic here. Um, unfortunately, Hennessy couldn't get out of the third inning, giving up three runs in that time span. But then David Sharp came in and pitched beautifully going the last six and two-thirds, giving up only one earned run. Yeah, he was great. Uh, no earned, actually, just one run. Oh, one um, run, yeah. Yep. Hennessy just didn't get us off to a great start. Luckily, the bats came alive. Um, for the Tigers in this game, eight runs 
two three run innings one once in the third and again in the seventh. Uh, so it was really nice to see us put put some bats on balls and get some runs in. Um, and like you said, Davis Sharp picked, pitched a great game coming in in relief for Hennessy, and the Illinois pitchers just couldn't quite ever shut us down. Um, we kept stealing another run, and they got it as close as four three. Uh, but then we, we pulled ahead in the seventh and eighth and got a couple more runs until they got one more in the ninth. So it was a really great start to to the regional, and it set us up going into the old Miss game with Matt Clark getting the start. Uh, you think after his outing against Louisville, he's on a little bit of a hot streak, hopefully. Didn't turn out that way. Yeah, and, you know, Illinois has a really deep pitching staff. Um, so the fact that we were able to overcome that, um, and then Sharp coming in, not only pitching so well, but also preserving the bullpen mm-hmm. heading into the into the rest of the regionals. So you felt really great coming out of this game. So Monty got the matchup he wanted against Ole Miss with Matt Clark taking the mound. Clark struggled, though. Three and a third, gave up four runs on five hits and three walks. Um, and he had full rest. So, mm-hmm. you know, that wasn't an issue, just was not his day. The Tiger bats never really got going in this one as they only put up one run on four hits, ultimately losing this game six to one. But again, Tigers didn't eat up too much of their bullpen is more to his credit um, did go two and two thirds, giving up only one run. So he helped preserve that bullpen. So you still felt optimistic heading into elimination game against Jacksonville state. Yeah. And one thing to call out in, in the Ole Miss game is that the freshman pitcher for Ole Miss uh, Doug Nikazi, Nikazi, who knows how it's pronounced. Uh, he went eight innings, pitched one run, one earn, four hits, nine strikeouts in in eight innings. He he just tore us apart. You mentioned the bats didn't didn't do well, but he was just blowing balls by everyone. Um, he made us look stupid on, at the plate. It was really impressive from from a freshman. Um, but yeah, going into Jacksonville State, I felt pretty optimistic that we could get at least one win against them and then go on and try and beat Ole Miss again um, to get out of the regional. That's not, yeah. not what happened. No. And I, I was, was kind of like you, I felt confident that we could pull one out against Jacksonville state. I felt less so that we could win two in a row against Ole Miss, especially considering our depleted uh, uh, pitching staff yep. really at this point, not that we're missing guys from injury or anything like that. It was really just more fatigue and, you know, not as many guys pitching well at the end of the season as they were at the beginning. Um, so this really all came down to seem like Monty, Monty Lee desperately turning to senior Brooks Crawford, hoping that he'd find some of his magic from last year. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, Crawford this season, who knows what happened? He had not turned in a quality start all year after being so solid last year for the Tigers, he was their most reliable arm at the end of the season last year. Yep. I'm on the fence about this decision, uh, but I actually think it showed that Monty maybe had more faith in his younger arms as he hoped Crawford could at least get through the Jacksonville state lineup and set up a possible two game set with Ole Miss. Uh, but once again, this is a must win game. Part of me thinks that you have to play for the win and throw your best pitcher again, perhaps Lindley or ask were better options in this one, but you know, hindsight's 2020. As it turns out, Crawford went only four innings, giving up six runs, and the Tigers left 14 men on base and losing nine to two, ending their season. And this was really a microcosm of the season, ending a disappointing year in disappointing fashion. Yeah, this one, um, both teams had 10 hits in the game, and we scored two runs. They scored nine. We had a ton left on base in this game, um, and it was just, you know, it was kind of 
reminiscent of a lot of the games that we lost throughout the season where uh, leadoff hitters or second hitters would get on and we couldn't move them around. We struck out a lot with, with runners on base. Um, it was, you know, the, the batting approach just didn't match the situation uh, a lot of times in this game or throughout the season. And uh, it was, it was a very fitting end to the season. It, it felt like a lot of the season as a whole to me. Yeah, a lot of the storylines were packed into this one game and the regional for the most part. So just disappointing to see the Tigers go out like that. I, I think going into the regional, you could not have expected them to win it. But as a fan, you're hoping that they catch some fire and some things go the right way and you start off with a win against Louisville, preserving your bullpen. You, you would have hoped for at least one more win coming out of the regional, but uh, that's not what happened. So. That wraps up uh, the end of the season and the playoff run for the Tigers. So let's take a step back now, take in the season as a whole. Let's start off with what we think went wrong this year. Okay, Sam, this was a really young team heading into the year. Five freshmen and seven sophomores saw significant action this year. Um, And it really all comes down to the pitching, I think. The young starting pitchers hit a wall, as we predicted could happen. David uh, Sharp was solid most of the year, but the pitching and hitting combo – I think kind of took a toll on both his ERA and batting average. They both went the wrong way over the last couple months of the season. He led the team in innings pitched at 84 and a third this year. That's more than any pitcher on last year's staff. And again, this coming from a freshman who was also splitting duties hitting. Yeah, he was incredible. Uh, Like you said, he kind of dropped off towards the end of the season on both the offensive and defensive uh, or pitching and hitting sides of, of the plate. Um, you know, through the first month or two of the season, he was hitting like 300, 330. Uh, as late as the end of March, he was hitting 320. And uh, by the end of the season, he was down to 264. So in another two months, his his batting average dropped 50, 50 60 points. Uh, his ERA kind of did the same thing. Uh, through the end of March, he was at a 155 ERA. He ended the season with a 320 ERA. So it doubled in the last two months of the season. And that's, I mean, it's going to happen a lot of times for younger players, whether they're doing both sides of the plate or not. Um, we saw some drop off from other guys throughout the season that they kind of went through. Askew had a lot of the same things where he, he struggled later in the season. Uh, but overall, still a pretty incredible season for David Sharp, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And again, there's just a lot to ask of a young kid to be a two-way player. The season goes along, the weather gets warmer. So a lot of these factors start to come into play. And I think you saw it. The The result was um, his play was not up to what it was at the beginning of the year um, by the time the season closed. Um, but then again, he had that, that uh, great pitching performance against Illinois. So mm-hmm. That's a bright spot. Good for him to end on that note. You mentioned Keyshawn Askew. He had a good first month and a half making his way into the weekend rotation after Justin Robleski struggled and Crawford got injured. But uh, he didn't complete over five innings pitched in his last four starts. And then he was moved to the pen at the end of April. Um, And then also Owen Griffin, uh, Griffith, another young guy, sophomore, pitched well through March, but struggled after that more than doubling his ERA in that time span. So starting pitchers, hitting a wall, young pitchers hitting a wall. We predicted that could happen at the beginning of the season. Of course it did. The pitching staff as a whole took a step back. The staff yeah. ERA was up nearly a run from 2018 in ending the season with a 4.47 ERA and with no one on the staff under a 3 ERA. 
Big question mark here, and we've talked about this before. What the hell happened to Crawford and Hennessy? I mean, these guys were solid starters last year. They've had good overall careers at Clemson, but just this year. I mean, Hennessy, at least towards the end of the year, started getting his ERA down. But yep. with Crawford, I don't know if it was the back end uh, injury, but he wasn't pitching great before that. So I'm just scratching my head as to what happened with him. Yeah, I mean, in 2018, the the ERA as a whole, you mentioned 447 for 2019. For 2018, it was 365. Uh, Brooks Crawford specifically had a 324 ERA and over 80 innings pitched in 2018. Uh, 2019, he was 696, so just under seven ERA, which is pretty pretty terrible, and only got 42 innings pitched because number one, uh, he fell out of the rotation a bit, and number two, he couldn't stay in games because uh, he was giving up so many runs. And yeah, he even struggled in the midweek games when he yeah, had opportunity he, to, he to just throw could there. not find a flow all season. Uh, the final game of the year against Jacksonville State, uh, we saw that you know he struggled mightily in that game. So it was pretty disappointing to see such a big drop off from him. Uh, we really only had two consistent starters uh, throughout the season. And that was David Sharp and Matt Clark. We already talked about Sharp's uh, decline for the second half of the season. Matt Clark. Ended, ended the season with a pretty great year as well. Very similar ERA to Sharp with a 321, but he went 9-3, and three, pitched 73 innings, uh, and he had a couple of incredible games. We talked about his gem against Louisville. Um, but it's still, you know, an over-3 ERA is still not amazing. Uh, we had a bunch of guys, especially relief pitchers last year, uh, Matt Clark included, um, who were under three and a few under two Matt Clark had a 169 last year um coming out of the bullpen yeah I still I still think in college though you give me an under four maybe under three and a half ERA for three starters I'll certainly take that um especially you know a team like Clemson can score some runs um but overall it just didn't work out and again with Crawford I just uh, I don't know his fastball was touching in the low 90s which was good to, to see that he had that I think his breaking ball was pretty hittable and that Probably led to a lot of his struggles, but you know that's on your pitching coach to help develop that. So that was unfortunate to see. And then Carson uh, Spires, his ERA balloon kind of towards the end of the year, and I think part of that he was just kind of used erratically sometimes out of desperation, mm-hmm. being brought in from the fifth inning for several innings, you know, splitting time between that and closer. So it was a lack of arms and a lack of arms you could trust on this on this baseball team. Part of that is due to the youth, and part of that is we saw some regression, and that's. Uh, that's unfortunate to see. Um, the hitting, on the other hand, was decent and came on uh, there at the end, but it kind of it lacked fundamentals all year long, and this has been a problem with Monty Lee baseball teams. They batted only 266 on the year. That was up five points from last year, but still not great. They couldn't hit good pitching, couldn't move, move base runners over. The power numbers were down, though still good. Plate discipline was a big problem. Strikeout numbers were not good, but about the same as last year. Walks were way down there. Uh, way down though. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe again, part of this due to some youth, but you know, the young guys that actually came in and played hit on this team actually hit pretty well. Um, but overall, it, you know, really just the lack of plate discipline, the lack of fundamentals, that was the big issue with this baseball team and something that Monty Lee is really going to need to focus on and turn around. I don't care what the advanced metrics say um because they apparently don't take into account winning baseball games or being able to hit good pitching because that's where the tigers uh, the tigers struggle yeah it's uh it's interesting to see that the average was better this year than last year very slightly um but 
I feel like the we've talked about it before, but the the coaching staff didn't really adjust our approach to games uh, from the staff from last year or the the all the batters that we have this year. Very few guys on this team are power hitters. We had two guys hit 15 or more home runs. Grayson Bird had 16. Logan Davidson had 15. Nobody else had more than nine. Um, but the guys who were hitting the medium number of home runs, that five to ten range, were guys like Bryce Teodosio. He's not a power hitter. He's just swinging for the fences every time at the plate. And that's the approach that the coaching staff seems to have encouraged. And it's reflected in his average. He batted 215 this year. He batted 215. Sam Hall hit seven home runs, but hit 257. Briar Hawkins actually ended up with a decent average at 287 uh, and hit seven homers. But these are guys that are not power hitters. If they'd hit two home runs and had their their batting averages 30 points higher, it would have done much more for the team's success. Um. Yeah, I mean, Teodosio struck out once almost every two and a half times at the plate. Yeah, um, and so and that's that's a coached approach, right? It's not like he's just swinging and missing constantly uh, because he's a bad hitter. He's swinging and missing a lot because he's swinging for the fences and in every plate appearance. And a lot of our guys were doing that. Um, the overall batting average could have been 20 to 30 points higher as a team, I think, had they coached to on base percentage and getting better plate appearances as opposed to getting power shots, doubles and home runs every time up. Yeah. I mean, you know, launch angle and all that doesn't really matter if you don't get the bat on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, once again, the Tigers were terrible in the base pass running ourselves out of innings and out of runs. Um, we were successful stealing bases this year, jumped from 52 stolen bases in 18 to 91 in 2019. So uh, I like the aggressiveness on the base base path, but something needs to give with, you know, who's ever coaching third base because once again, um, we've seen this team struggle with getting guys thrown out and running ourselves out of innings. And again, it just all points back to the fundamentals and we just haven't seen it there with Monty Lee's teams. Uh, Fielding percentage was average this year at 973, a little bit down from last year, but that's where we've seen this team land. Um, so, again, that's it in a nutshell. It's all about fundamentals. Uh, there were some injuries this year. You know, Crawford with his back, again, we don't know um, what effect that had on him. Uh, Spencer Strider, who was hopefully going to be um, a huge part of the starting rotation this year, had Tommy John surgery, and so he's missed the year. Uh, Keir Meredith, who knows? Who knows what's the matter with him? It was a quad at one point, but it's always something. He just can't seem to stay in the lineup. Batted 318 this year, and he's got all the speed in the world. He would certainly be um, a weapon in this lineup, but he can't stay in the lineup. So you can't have a lot of confidence for him moving forward into next year, into his junior season. Yep. Um, And that's, you know, we had a couple other injuries as well. Guys like Carter Raffield, um, who didn't play at all this year, would have been a a right-handed pitcher for us, a freshman. Um, he would have been a big part of the pitching staff. It just, you know, the injury bug just really messed with our depth. And I think we just never totally recovered from that. Well, so it was a lot of things, the injuries, lack of fundamentals, the youth put all those things together and it just did not end up being a successful year. And the team wore down as it went on. I think, uh, middle of the season, that loss, that heartbreaking loss to Georgia in extra innings, uh, certainly did not help, but here we are. Um, as disappointing as it was, there was some bright spots this year, so let's talk about those. 
So I think we'd be doing a huge disservice to Grayson Bird if we did not start with him. He ended the year leading the team in average at 316, home runs with 16 and 59 RBIs. He had 365 over his last 22 games with seven home runs. Just so great to see him put it all together at the plate this year. He had a phenomenal season. All the people at the beginning of the year, after four or five games, that were kind of down on him, giving him crap, telling him should be yanked out, uh, saying that he should be yanked out of the lineup. Well, he showed them, and I'm just really happy for him. It was awesome seeing, um, just following the baseball games and watching Paul Bird, his dad, in the stands videotaping uh, his at-bats. I know he got a video of his last at-bat um, for the Tigers. So just kudos to Grayson Bird. What a phenomenal year. Yeah, such a major improvement over last season. Uh, one of three guys on the team, uh, as well as Logan Davidson and Sam Hall, that started and played in every single game this year. Um, so he was there day in and day out, and he played incredibly well. After that slow start, he he ended up making a huge run. I already mentioned he hit, uh, led the team in home runs as well with 16. Um, not necessarily a power hitter, but was able to make some good enough contact that he got 16 out this year. Um, he's a guy who is potentially going to have some pro uh, possibilities. This wasn't enough to get him drafted. Interestingly enough. Well, he didn't get, no, he did get drafted, but it was uh, pretty late, pretty late. Um, his defense is questionable. Um, yep. And he doesn't have the offense offensive upside like Seth beer to, to compensate for that. Yep. So we'll see how it plays out, but uh, he certainly moved himself up in the draft, having hit so well this year. And again, just awesome to see. Uh, good for him, and we wish him best of the luck in the future. Um, another bright spot, we already mentioned it, Davis Sharp. He did struggle at the end of the year, but man, as a true freshman coming in, he started off so hot, hit over 300 for about two-thirds of the season um, to go along with his pitching. And I just he's our Babe Ruth the baby yeah. of the Clemson baseball. Uh, we'll see how it goes next year. See if he hear, hits a sophomore slump or anything, but you got to be excited about having this guy on your baseball team. Absolutely. Um, like we mentioned, he, through the end of March, his year was looking amazing. Uh, he was hitting 320. He had two of his three home runs on the season already. He'd already been walked the majority of the time. Uh, I think he had 15 walks or 14 walks of his 19 through the end of March uh, and his pitching as well was pretty incredible uh, through his start against Virginia tech on March 29th. He had a 159 ERA. He'd followed that up in against Louisville with a six, six and two thirds with one earned run to get his ERA down to 155 um, and just was playing fantastically well. He was five and one through that April 5th start against Louisville with that 155 ERA. He did have some drop off, but ending the year uh, strong with a really nice outing against Illinois. Um, still, still led the team in ERA for the year. Still with, led the at, team. Three twenty, second on the team in wins at seven and four. Yep. So just all around a pretty incredible year from a freshman. Um, I'm very excited to see what he can do as he develops and, and comes back next year. Yeah, I'd take nine freshmen like that. Um, Veterans, Davidson, Logan Davidson and Kyle Wilkie both had good years. Davidson hit 291, was second on the team in home runs and RBIs. Wilkie hit over 300 again. He hit 395 over his last 20 games. We'll see uh, if he ends up uh, going to the, to the major leagues or if he stays and comes back for a senior season. Um, but solid from, from both your veterans there. 
Briar Hawkins, the freshman, hit 287 and 188 at bats. That's solid. He came mm-hmm. in about you know middle of the year or so and really played played well for the rest of the year. So again, we're talking about a lot of these freshman guys, and I really like to focus on them. This being such a young team and kind of setting it up for next year. Yeah, um, for sure. We had a, a bunch of sophomores that contributed as well. Michael Green is one that came on really strong towards the end of the year. Uh, he ended up hitting 307 for the season. But if you look at his his numbers, he only started playing uh, in the middle of February. And the first month or so, he was not good. He was hitting under 250. And the last month of the season, month and a half, he really turned it on um, well, and here's- ended it. on a a great note. So here's the deceiving thing about his start to the season um, because he was a starter coming out of the box there in February. um, And he, I don't think he came out of the lineup until he got injured. Uh, But I know his batting average wasn't great, but he was making so much contact and walking a lot. He was not striking out a lot. So he was putting the ball in play and it was only a matter of time before those balls started finding some holes. And they certainly did. Again, you mentioned his average up over 300 by the end of the year. Um, and then, and then finally, another guy, probably my most exciting thing on the years, Chad Ferry got a hit. Yeah, he got a few, man. <laughs> went over. He figured it out. He went over his first twenty-three, um, but he's in those twenty-three uh, at bats, which I guess total thirty-two plate appearances. He had a two eighty-one on base percentage. Yeah, he he has clearly got a good eye. He uh, was, I think, seventh on the team in walks uh, with only 63 at bats. Uh, so he's a guy that gets on base. He had 317 on base or slugging percentage, even after not getting hits for the first half of the year, 366 on base. Um, pretty decent fielder as well. He, I mean, the Chad, Chad Ferry hit watch was something that we had going for quite a while. It was a lot of at bats. So it was nice to see him finally get uh, a bunch. He ended up with 11 on the season. Uh, and yeah. ended on a really nice on a really nice note. And the thing is, he he looks like a hitter at the plate. And and you mentioned, you know, he makes contact. He has a good eye, and you could tell that that the coaching staff had a lot of confidence in him for keep throwing him back they out kept, there. And it was, yeah, they kept yeah. putting him back out there. And listen, after he got, let's see, finally got a hit two and a half months into the season against Gardner Webb, and after that, uh, he started in all eleven games that he appeared in for the rest of the year. He hit two eighty two in that span with three home runs. So. This is another guy, a good uh, young piece of the puzzle moving into next year. Yep. It's uh, it's a really young team. He's one of the guys we've named several others uh, that are going to be contributing next year and for the next couple of years in, in a lot of cases. So there's still optimism, definitely. Um, and a lot of the good guys or the young guys had good years. Yeah, and so on the pitching side of things, we talked about Davis Sharp. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, what a great year Matt Clark had as a sophomore, leading the teams in, uh, team in wins with a 9-3 record. Keyshawn Askew showed some promise with his good start to the year, so it'll be interesting to see what some conditioning in the offseason does for him coming back into next year. Jackson Lindley, another freshman, ended with a 3.68 ERA. Had a few good midweek uh, game starts this year, which I, I had him as one of the guys – uh, that was was a candidate for starting in the postseason. Yeah, I think he should have gotten more more starts late in the year. Um, Better than Travis Mar. Absolutely, his he's got uh, two or three games this year where he had really nice outings. Didn't necessarily go ge- deep into games every time. Uh, he only got through five plus in two starts, 
but he was at a 368 ERA, um, has a pretty good fastball, and did a good job. Only nine walks to 16 strike entries um, in just over 29 innings pitched. So really good start or really good season for for the young freshman. Um, I think he's got a lot of potential moving forward to be one of our rotation guys. Another guy with potential, Sam Weatherly, as a sophomore, had a 3.38 ERA. So that's encouraging moving into next year as well. So, I mean, as we're hitting on a lot of these bright spots, we keep mentioning a lot of these young guys. So I'll, it was a disappointing year, but I still think there's some optimism moving forward. So uh, let's talk for a second about where do we go from here. Okay, the Clemson Tigers haven't made a Super Regional since 2010. As you mentioned earlier in the show, Sam Monty Lee had his worst season as Clemson baseball coach. He peaked last year with a good bit of Jack Leggett's recruits still on the roster, finishing with 47 wins, going 22-8 and eight in the ACC, and finishing first in the Atlantic. So the step back this year was disappointing. Um, the roster this year was majority his recruits, so that's not a great sign. But again, they were young. Um, however... To really put this all in perspective, his first three years were better than Jack's la- Jack Leggett's last four. Um, the 133 wins he had in that time period was eighth best in the country. Uh, Clemson, Clemson hosted a regional his first three years. Jack's last four years and, and his last four regionals were all on the road. So, yes, this wasn't a great year, but I think anybody starting the fire money um, talk Take a step back, look at it in perspective. You got to give this guy some more time. Yeah, I think um, part of that discussion is, you know, this is the fourth season. These are all his guys now for the most part. There might be a few um, Richard seniors who he did not recruit, but this is a team that he's built, right? He and his coaching staff have built them, developed a lot of the guys that are in their junior, senior years. And this is the season that took a step backward. So I can understand the disappointment with that. Um, but I think when you watch this team uh, this year, there were so many young guys that were getting major time. You mentioned, I think, seven sophomores and five freshmen that saw significant time. That's a huge chunk of the lineup. So when you're looking ahead, part of what he's done is have three straight top 20 recruiting classes. So the guys that are coming in now that have redshirted the last year or two or that are freshmen and sophomores this year uh, are going to be around for another year or two at least, and they should be major contributors. And there's a lot of potential that we just went through uh, across both sides uh, through the pitching staff and from the hitters. So I think I I agree that the the fire money stuff is a, a little bit premature. It was still a strong season. It's not like we missed postseason play and didn't make a regional. Uh, It's definitely disappointing that we didn't host this year and that there was such a a drop-off towards the second half of the season. But this team going forward isn't losing a ton of players next year. Um, There are a few key losses, but it's going to be a much more seasoned team next year, and there's still a ton of potential for, for the team moving forward. Yeah, and we talk a lot about potential and talent, but the thing is you have to see development from these guys. Um, can't see them flatline like we saw Brooks Crawford do this year. Um, and it really all starts with the pitching staff because that's where they really struggled. Struggled um, A lot of talk about pitching coach Andrew C. He's all, also with his fourth year with the Tigers. Um, you know, 
as we struggled this year, and I think with, with Hennessy and Crawford, uh, it maybe was um, a little bit of a distraction um, and probably had my focus in the wrong place. I thought for a moment there that maybe it was time for him to go. Uh, but when, again, put it in perspective, take a look back. His numbers have been decent. Um, after his, uh, his pitching staff posted a 4-4-3 ERA in his first year, uh, with opponents batting 268 against him. The next two years had ERAs uh, under 3.7. Uh, opponents' batting averages started to dip last year. Opponents' batting average was down to 239. This year, the ERA was back up um, over four, but batting average against was only 247 with a lot of young pitchers. So, again, uh, you got to give him more time. I think next year is really going to be telling. I think Monty Lee, I don't think pretty much – doesn't matter what happened next year. I still think Monty Lee will be around, but I think Andrew C., if you don't see the pitching staff get turned around next year, he may become a casualty. Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility, especially given all the young guys that we just mentioned. Jackson Lindley, obviously David Sharp, um, Keyshawn Askew. Like, there's a ton of guys that are really strong pitchers on this staff that have a ton of potential. Um, if he can't get that down under a four ERA collectively, um, you know, that's that's worrying and it's really that's the bigger area that kind of fell off towards the end of the season the guys um that were doing so well early in the year had a lot of drop-offs and it's kind of what cost us a lot of games uh towards the end of the year so uh i I agree i think that he his job is more in jeopardy than than monty lee's but i don't think either one's really in even in the hot seat at this point getting warmer but not quite yet again we'll see what the pitching staff uh, does next year um now let's talk recruiting and the young guys that we have coming in there's another top 20 class coming in for Monty Lee and the Tigers uh he's ranked in the 10 to 20 range the last three years only one player lost to the draft this year which um one incoming recruit lost to the draft this year i don't know if that's a good or bad thing um i mean it's good that we're keeping a lot of the guys they recruited is it a bad thing that they weren't drafted any higher um at this point i'll take the players jonathan french is a guy that could come in and have an immediate impact um but i think taking a step back uh you hear a lot of the chatter about clemson the, the struggles that clemson goes up against in recruiting against other schools but again if you have it, these top 20 classes coming in that should be enough to compete and get into super regionals because you're seeing other teams that are recruiting in that, in that range, getting there as well. Um, facilities are one thing that your Hill folks talk about. Yes, there's a new players lounge, but Doug Kingsmore is a bit lacking. Um, in, in, at least in the suites area of the stadium, you saw um, how nice old Miss stadium was. Uh, a lot of the sec teams have some nice facilities. The scoreboard at Doug Kingsmore needs an upgrade, but for the most part, it's still a fun stadium to be at, so I don't really see that as a negative. The scholarship thing in college baseball is weird, only getting 11.7 a year. Clemson doesn't have a large endowment like some other schools like Van- Vanderbilt who can use some of that money to help fund um, uh, uh, scholarships or tuition for other players, but there's a lot of teams in the tournament still with similar size endowments, so I don't buy that one either. Um, and finally... The academic comment market, if you're not aware what that is, Clemson got rid of that, I believe, last year. What that does, and it's not just related to sports, 
it allows certain states sign up for this. And what it does is it allows schools to bring players in or or students in from out-of-state programs and give them in-state tuition when they're going for degrees that are not offered in their state. So that's something that Clemson got rid of as well. Logan Davidson was a beneficiary of that. Uh, Brooks Crawford came in on that as well. So there are struggles for sure. But again, you're seeing other teams be able to navigate this and it really still is the fundamentals. If guys can't bunt, that has nothing to do with their financial aid and and scholarships. Yep. I think uh, getting the basics down with, with this team for next season is going to be huge, especially with another strong incoming freshman class and so many contributors uh, that are freshmen and sophomore now going into their sophomore and junior seasons. Uh, We need to be, tightened up a little bit across the board, uh, both on the pitching side in the field and at the plate, um, improving that plate, um, you know, vision and making sure that guys aren't swinging and missing as often, uh, going away potentially from what's super popular in baseball right now, which is all the launch angle and swing for the fences type approach, uh, and ignoring strikeouts. College baseball is not the same as the pros. If you can work guys around pitchers will crumble, and you can get five, six runs in an inning uh, by just getting a series of singles and doubles. Uh, it doesn't have to be home runs. Obviously, if you've got guys with power, they can go ahead and swing away. But uh, getting back to the fundamentals, especially at the plate, I think, is going to be huge for next season. Yeah, I'd rather Teodosio hit 265 and have four home runs and hit 215 with nine home runs. Exactly. Um, and again, if you can't teach fundamental baseball, then I don't want to hear about facilities or scholarships or anything like that Um, because you got to be able to teach the fundamentals first. And that could have won us so many more games this year. If you're not getting thrown out on the base pass and costing yourselves runs that way and just not doing the simple things um, like getting runners over um, that that's huge because yeah, you can, you know, guys can hit for average and maybe have a little bit of power and be successful against, you know, mediocre pitching staffs but once you get into the playoffs you're 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 playing against teams that have good pitchers and you have to be able to hit those good pitchers to win ball games in advance and that's not happening right now um so we talked about Monty what he has to do um I don't think he's on the hot seat right now though it is getting warmer warmer as I mentioned I think he has to have the Tigers back in a super regional within the next two years or I think he's gone which means uh, the guys that were uh, the guys that were freshmen this year, uh, or the guys that were freshmen last year, uh, need to get into a super regional, which was really like his. You know, when he really started to get away from that Jack Leggett legacy and started getting his own guys in and putting his stamp on the program. So I think within the next two years, you have to be in a super regional. Twenty twenty, still be relying on some young guys next year, but the experience and talent will be improved 2021. No excuses. The upperclassmen are all his recruits. You got to get it Mm -hmm. done by then. Yep. Totally agree. Okay. So before we tie a bow on this season, let's end things on a positive note. Let's hand out some season awards. All right, Sam, let's start here with the team MVP. I'll give you mine first. And I didn't think this, uh, I don't think a lot of people thought this would be the guy this year, but I've got Grayson bird. How about you? I also have Grayson Bird as my team MVP this year. Uh, we talked about his improvement from last season, and he led the led the team in average and uh, was just a super consistent player all season for us. Uh, led the team in home runs, 
was not super great uh, on the defensive side, but he uh, he was you know the emotional leader for a lot of this team for for many games and moments. Um, I don't think anybody's really going to fight you on that uh, for the MVP. No, I mean, his strikeout numbers were down this year. Just all across the board, he was a much better hitter. And you mentioned the word consistency. That was key there. And then really coming on there at the end of the year. And uh, in his defense with this fielding, yeah, it's not great. But he moved around a lot this year, playing a lot of different positions from first to third to the outfield. So it doesn't really allow him to get settled in. But his versatility and being able to do that allowed us to play a lot of younger guys and focus them on, uh, you know, one position. So they're not moving around so much. So Grayson Bird, what a phenomenal year for that guy. And he he gets the team MVP in our eyes. Um, from the pitching staff, uh, who do you have as the MVP there? I've got Matt Clark as my, my pitching MVP. What about you? I have him as well. It was a really close call with Sharp, but I think uh, with how Sharp kind of uh, tailed off at the end of the year, and then, of course, Matt Clark's game against Louisville, that won it for him in my eyes. Yep, same. Um Sharp was a was a candidate for both of these last two things, especially through the first two thirds of the season. Uh, his tail off kind of cost him in my eyes as far as these awards are concerned. Uh, but an incredible year for him. Matt Clark was fantastic, and he finished the season on a strong note uh, in that Louisville game. The Ole Miss game, not his best effort, uh, but his games uh, towards the end of the year. We're, we're still really, really strong. He went super deep into a bunch of games and uh, pitched great. Yeah, and so Davis Sharp will not be left out here. He gets my freshman MVP, and it, this was a no-brainer, and I imagine you have the same. I do. It was super obvious. Like I said, he was a, a candidate for both the team and pitching MVP for me. He's probably top three in both of those things this season for me. Um, so the freshman MVP is a, a no-brainer. So, well, maybe eventually we'll disagree on something here. Let's go best reliever. Who do you have? Uh, I've got two listed. You go first, and I'll, I'll make the case for the other one. So I've got Carson Spires. Um, he had 11 saves on the year. He did have a 3.59 ERA, which was higher than you would have liked to see. But again, I go back to the fact that, you know, he was one of the only guys in the bullpen that you could bring in and have a ton of confidence in, especially when things were going bad. And he was used so erratically diff- coming in at different times of the game. I think overall for him to hold it together like that, um, I've got him um, as one of the best reliever. Yep. So he was my second one. I actually ended up choosing uh, Sam Weatherly as my my winner for the season. Um, his ERA slipped a little bit, as did many other guys towards the end of the season. Uh, but the first couple months, he was pitching great. He came in in relief all year and made some really nice outings. Um, 30 walks to 46 strikeouts uh, in 29 innings. I only gave up one homer on the season. Yeah. Uh, he just consistently made the right plays. Uh, didn't ever blow giant games. Uh, he didn't have. He only had one game all season where he gave up more than two runs, which was against Duke in the middle of April. Um, and so that's he was my my winner as the reliever. Yeah, and looking at this now, um, this is a good call, man. He gave up 17 hits all year long. Only three of those were for extra bases, two doubles and a home run. That's pretty phenomenal. Yep, he a little bit too erratic with the walks, uh, but he struck a lot of guys out to recover from that and didn't give up any big hits. Um, strung a, f- a few too many together at times, but like I said, it never resulted in a bunch of runs. So um, I I, th- I thought he pitched great all year. 
So most improved on the team, I think we've already made the case for Grayson Bird there. He vastly improved his average and power numbers. Um, you could also say Matt Clark for how good a job he did pitching this year. Anybody else you can think of there, Sam? No, I, I was pretty strongly with, with Grayson Bird on this. Um, last year in 2018, he hit 243, 309 on base percentage and a 439 slugging. This year, he hit 316 from the plate, a 394 on base percentage, and a 588 slugging percentage. He raised all of those by 70 to 150 points. Like, that's a major difference. Um, he also, like we mentioned, played in every single game this year for us. Um, and just, he was a team MVP, and he was far from that last season. So I think it's pretty cut and dry that, that he is the most improved for us. Yeah, so a guy in Logan Davidson is probably one that we would have penciled in at the beginning of the year um, as being the team MVP. You know, he still had a great year. Um, our final category here, best MLB future, that's who I've got penciled in. He was drafted in the first round by the Oakland A's. That gives Clemson two first-rounders or uh, a first-rounder two years in a row. He's joining Seth Beer from last year, which is kind of all the more perplexing of how we haven't gotten to a super original when you had Logan Davidson and Seth Beer on the <laughs> same team for uh, for two years. Um but he's a guy I got penciled on that one. I imagine you have the same as well. I do. Uh, and that's, that was kind of the easy answer. So I tried to look a little bit deeper and find somebody that was not, not necessarily showed it this year, a hundred percent. But a guy that I could see turning into a potential um, MLB guy later in his career. And I went with Jackson Lindley. I think he, he's a real big, real big guy, like six four, two twenty now still filling out his frame as a pitcher. Um, he had a strong season this year. He'll develop more uh, before next year, potentially get into that starting rotation on a consistent basis. Um, if he can build up a little stamina, uh, I, I could see something in his future as far as the pros go. Well, and a, and a common theme here um, is a lot of these guys we handed out awards to Davis Sharp, Matt Clark, Carson Spires, um, Jackson Lindley, whom you just spoke about, these guys will all be back next year. Yep. We are losing Grayson Berg and Logan Davidson. Maybe Kyle Wilkie sticks around. Um, but Weatherly as well will be back. Yeah, so. Weatherly will be back. Uh, Briar Hawkins, it's, it's going to be a young and improved team is my hope. Again, you have to see the progression and the development of these guys. I think the talent and ability is there. If you don't get it out of them, you got to look at the coaching staff. Yep. I think uh, I'm optimistic for next year. I think uh, we were optimistic coming into this year because we had a number of returners. Uh, injury bug bit us a little bit on that front. And the young guys, while some performed extremely well, like we've talked about with so many, uh, there was a tail off towards the end of the season. We should see less of that effect next year. And we've got a bunch of more uh, young guys coming in to, to augment the team as well. So hopefully we see some of that development again. That's really the question with this coaching staff. Can they take these guys they've recruited that are extremely talented coming out of high school and turn them into effective college pitchers and, and hitters? Um, we hope so. Uh, I want to believe that, that our coaching staff and our, our, um, you know, the organization can, can really turn into something fantastic next season. Um, We'll see how it turns out, but I, I feel good about it. Over under 40 wins next year. I think we get back over 40. I, I'm still, 
I'm on the fence about that one. I think if we do get over 40, it may take us getting into a super regional, which would be a positive note, but it might be still just a little bit over 40 wins. I think what may happen is you might see a slow start because, again, again, a bunch of another, uh, a bunch of young guys on this team next year. You'll have the new recruits coming in who several of them we will be relying on could get off to a slow start, but you could really see them start to, to, to come together towards the middle, towards the end of the year. Again, a lot of these guys who faced some struggles this year, they had that under their belt. They did get to experience postseason play. That's a positive. So I could see right around 40 if we make a deeper run into the playoffs, over 40 wins next year. Do you think we make a Super Regional? Um, I'm not sure about next year. I do feel good that in the next two years we make at least one. Um, next year, I don't know if it's going to be the year. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I, I just haven't – we haven't seen it yet. We've we've seen no reason to believe that, that we're going to make it. Maybe we get back to hosting a regional next year, and that's that's our ultimate goal. I know a lot of Clemson fans will say it's – you know, it says Omaha on the back of our hats. It's Omaha or bus. But, um, you know, people tend to think of Clemson as a blue blood, blue blood baseball program. Try saying that three times fast. <laughs> um, but – it's not like we've ever won a national championship. We had some no. great seasons, great success under Jack Leggett, but he's a Hall of Fame coach. So temper your expectations somewhat and just get behind this baseball team. And while Monty Lee's here, he's our coach. Again, I don't think he, he's on the hot seat yet. It is getting warmer, but you still got to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. He's getting his young players oriented. Let's see what happens next year. Okay, so that wraps it up for the 2019 Clemson baseball season. We appreciate everybody tuning in and listening. Uh, moving forward, we're getting pretty close to football season. Sam, I actually had Cody ask me the other day when we're going to do a, uh, a football podcast. So that's going to be coming up. Probably start that back up in July, take the rest of June off. We will do another mailbag episode this year. So we encourage you to send us uh, your questions or topics of discussion that you'd like to hear us speak about. I think one thing that we've talked about over the years is alcohol sales at, at football games. And the SEC actually um, has decided to allow that this upcoming season. So maybe that's something else for us to touch on. Uh, you can email us, clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook or Twitter at Clemson Podcast. Uh, please subscribe to us at whichever podcasting app you prefer. That ensures that as soon as we publish these shows, they get pushed to your phone right away. And as always, we'd appreciate iTunes review. So once again, thanks everybody for listening. And as always, go Tigers. <laughs>